We're glad you're here with us at the Open Door Christian Church this morning. My name is Pastor Rich, and uh, it's an exciting morning to be together. Hope you're glad to be here in the house of the Lord. We're in the book of Colossians, chapter 1. We've been there, I think this is the fourth week now. And uh, it's an exciting book written to a church who uh, has been marvelously touched by the Lord Jesus Christ, just as what we've sung about. But something happens as always in life and something creeps in. And maybe sometimes it's easy to get our focus off of the main thing. Instead of keeping the main thing, we go to something else. We're talking about being holy and blameless this morning. I have a sign. If you walk into my office, I'm the pastor of care ministries here at the Open Door Christian Church. And I have a little three by five card that I wrote a message on oh, a month or two ago. And I plastered it on the wall by my desk so I'd never lose sight of it. It says this. Something or someone will have first place in your heart. Something or someone will have first place in your heart. Your identity will be tied to wherever, to whatever your heart is tied to. Let's read Colossians chapter 1. Our focus this morning is on verses 21 through 23, but we're actually going to go back to last week's text in verse 15 and read that through because it has a direct impact in our understanding of the text this morning. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. He's the image of the invisible God, talking about Jesus Christ. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now to today's text, starting in verse 21. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, Paul's writing to the Colossians, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Something or someone will have first place in your life. The question is, what is your identity tied to because it'll be tied to whatever your heart is focused on. Can the greatness of Jesus Christ and the resurrection from the dead touch your life? Can it change you and me? Paul's reminding the believers in Colossae here of the change that had taken place inside of them and their hearts. And he's painting for them a picture of once what was and has now been changed through their decision to embrace and surrender and follow the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. Verse 21, 
We're just going to work our way through this text. Paul says the great contrast is this. And you, who once were alienated from God and hostile in your mind, doing evil deeds. Question, what does it mean to be alienated from God and hostile in your mind towards Him? Well, we need to go to the Bible for that answer. Because the Bible says that the moment you and I are born into this life, we're immediately alienated from God and hostile towards Him. Everyone on the face of the earth is born alienated towards God and hostile towards God in their minds. You say, Rich, how do you know? Because that's what the book tells us in Romans 3.23. For we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death. The Apostle Paul would write in Romans 3.23 and 6.23. We're born alienated from God. What does alienated mean? It means to be under the owner of another. We're living in the world today that paints this picture, I think, pretty, pretty clearly for us. There's a hostility and a hatred towards God and the things of God unlike nothing that I've ever seen in my 64 years of age. From the governments of the world, especially China, Korea, Cambodia, Laos, Iran, the Middle East, they're all trying their best to destroy Christianity and wipe it off the face of the earth. Alienated and hostile towards God. Well, what about our country? Well, there's protesting for and legislating of the murdering of the innocent and not just babies in the womb, of course, but the vulnerable and the handicapped and now even attacking the elderly that they could be euthanized and put to death. What does it mean to be hostile towards God? Well, there's the worshiping over and above God of your choice and what sexual identity you're going to embrace and who you're going to sleep with outside of the marriage bed that God has ordained between a man and a woman. The hostility towards God is so great, there's a dedicated effort to stop at every level of humanity the message of a holy, sin-forgiving, eternal life-giving relationship with the holy God. Lest you think this is a message only to Colossians, Paul basically says the same thing to another church called the Ephesians. He says there, You are dead in the trespasses of your sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of error, Satan, and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And here it comes, Ephesians 2.12. You are separated from Christ. Here's this word alienated from all His covenant promises, having no hope and without God in the world. See, Paul says, Colossians, that's the way you were before you turned your life over and repented and decided to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. You were alienated and you were hostile in your mind and you were doing evil deeds, verse 21 tells us. Listen. Please, don't ever, ever be satisfied with being alienated from God in your life. 
Don't ever be satisfied. It's a terrible, horrendous place to be. And you don't want to be there. Paul goes on to say to the Colossians that the great thing is, Colossians, you didn't stay there. He says in verse 22, And now he has reconciled you in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in him, before him. See, the great debate that was going on in the Colossian church, and it filtered down into the uh, early 300s even after Christ, was whether did Jesus actually die a physical death on the cross, or was it just some form of a spiritual death? And Paul wanted to correct any wrong thinking that was beginning to infiltrate the Colossian church. And he wanted them to clearly understand that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was indeed a physical death. Romans chapter 7 verse 4, Paul says, You have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. You see, Jesus had to die a physical death on the cross because that was the only means by which you and I or the Colossians who were alienated by ownership could have that ownership changed. See, God's law in the Old Testament said that without the physical shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. Still true today. The offering in the Old Testament of an unblemished, spotless lamb was the only way to have one's sin forgiven. So each year, a person like yourself and myself would take an unblemished, spotless lamb to the priest at the temple and it would be sacrificed in our behalf and our sin would be taken away, but not permanently. Every year, that process had to be uh, uh, re- uh, not reenacted, but recreated and uh, repeated. There's the word. It's in there somewhere all the time. But God the Father never intended for it to be that way permanently. He had another plan, an eternal plan. He had the plan and the thought of a Messiah, a Savior, a spotless Lamb who would take away the sins of the world once and for all. So God sent His Son called the Lamb of God into the world to redeem us, not to condemn us. When John the Baptist was at the Jordan River and he saw the Lord Jesus coming for the first time, he said, look, 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 the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' body was nailed to the cross a short time later. And when it was, while he was nailed there, Jesus said, it's finished. And he bowed his head and he died. The sacrifice God demanded was complete once for all time. The crucifixion of Jesus' physical body and the shedding of his blood met the requirement to remove all hostility and all alienation and all evil deeds from the human heart. Can I ask you a question? How about your heart in all of this? Where's your heart? You can perish by believing on a spirit 
But you cannot and will not perish by trusting in, surrendering your life to the Savior Jesus Christ and following Him who died for you to change your ownership to Him. Let me remind you of verses 19 and 20 from last week that we just read a few moments ago. For in Him, Jesus... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Why did Jesus do that? Why would he surrender his life as the Lamb of God? Because verse 22, Paul says, to present you Colossians holy and blameless and above reproach before him. You see, if it had only been a spiritual death that Jesus died, no blood would have been shed. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. What does it mean to be holy and blameless and above reproach? Well, let me clarify this. Don't confuse holiness with morality. Morality is an outward conformance to a set of standards. The cleanness of your conduct. But holiness, holiness is an inward transformation. It's the cleanness of your soul that shows itself in obedient living. How does this happen, you say? Well, the Bible says, through the precious blood of Christ, a spotless lamb without blemish. May I tell you this? Jesus Christ is coming again soon. To get those who love Him and have surrendered to Him and are following Him. He's coming to get those who have been washed clean from all condemnation. The great question every one of us will have to answer as we all will stand before the judge, the living and the dead. And the great question every one of us will have to answer is, what did I do with the Lord Jesus Christ? Did I repent? And turn from my sin and trustingly follow Him and surrender to Him and love Him with all my heart? Or did I reject Him, call Him a good guy, ignore Him, and live my life the way I wanted to with all the gusto I could? Above reproach. Holy and blameless and above reproach. You know what above reproach means? It means to be without accusation. When you and I appear before the Lord Jesus Christ, and we all will, will there be anything for you and I to be accused of above reproach? When you love and surrender and follow Jesus, you and I are washed clean from all condemnation. You're holy and blameless, and there is nothing, absolutely nothing, at that point to be accused of. You're above reproach. But if you reject the love of God that's been poured out for you, and what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for you, listen, you're guilty and you'll stand before the judge of all creation and His rendered verdict will be guilty, 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 away from me, and He will say, into eternal condemnation and separation from God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, 
that it's Jesus Christ who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, holy and blameless and above reproach. I don't know about you, but not guilty... That's what I want to hear from the Lord Jesus Christ when the time comes. How about you? Well done, thou good and faithful servant, Rich. Come on into my kingdom and sup with me and I'll sup with you. That's what I want to hear. Man, I want to hear that. What about you? What are you going to hear? Paul tells the Colossian believers, that's what you're going to hear in verse 23. If indeed you continue in your faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. There's good news. Jesus Christ has been resurrected from the grave. And it's being proclaimed all over the earth. Here at Decision Hills, this three weekends ago, we had the leadership team with us from the, uh, the Jesus film. The Jesus film is, and they shared with, uh, uh, with us during the weekend what an intense time it is right now to get the Bible translated into every tongue, every nation, every tribe, so everyone in the world can hear the good news about Jesus Christ. It's so close, they said, to be completed. There's just a few people groups left to reach with that message. Do you know what that means for you and me? Think about it. It means we have to make certain that our own hope is set on Jesus Christ. That we're ready. We must have what Paul told the Colossians, a faith that is stable and steadfast, constantly focused on Jesus, ever gazing at Jesus, ever allowing Jesus to lead us in this life. Well, as I was pondering all that this week, I thought this, man, it's difficult to live in this world. It's difficult to live in this world and not let the world shift our focus off of Jesus Christ. The world's telling us we don't need Him. The world's always telling us we can save ourselves. The world's telling us we can choose our own identity. The world's telling us we can find joy and peace in other things, but those things perish, rot, spoil, and fade, the Bible says at the end of time. Verse 23, Paul says, listen, Colossians, be careful here. Continue in your faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Please listen to me this morning. You can't have a stable and steadfast and unshifting faith in anything other than Jesus Christ. He's the only Savior that can save you and me because He's the only Savior in the entire universe who's ever risen out of the grave alive on the third day. This life that we're living, folks, it's going to pass so quickly and it's going to quickly disappear. So what's going to happen to you when it does 
Where will you end up? There's nothing on this earth, absolutely nothing, that's going to rescue you from the destruction of death when that time comes. Paul would tell the Ephesians, it's God who is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son Jesus and forgave our sins. You can try hard. You can give it all you got. But at the end... Without Christ, you're just going to run out of gas. Because you're not in relationship with the one who can save and rescue you. Verse 23. And the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard, Colossians. And you've heard this morning, Open Door Christian Church, that is proclaimed to every creature under heaven. This book is 66 books. The entirety of these 66 books is the message Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Savior. He redeems, He purchases, He rescues, and He makes all who believe in Him brand new for eternal life. Hallelujah. Praise be to the Lord. But you know what the gospel really is? You can put it down 66 books into 10 words. Christ died for your sin and he rose from the grave. Jesus Christ died for your sin and mine and he rose from the grave. John 5:24, Jesus himself said it like this. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes on him who, was, who has eternal life, he does not come into judgment. He does not come into hostility and alienation and final judgment. But rather, he has passed from death on to life. There's no sin so small that God can overlook it. But there's no sin so great that our God cannot forgive it because of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please don't leave here today. Please don't leave here today without having this relationship with Jesus Christ settled in your own life. Call out to Him. Repent. Turn from your own selfishness and your own alienation and your hostility and turn to the one who can set you free. His name is Jesus Christ, the Savior. Get that settled between God. And if you're settling that today, or maybe you settled it recently and you want to be baptized, meet us on the beach in a few minutes and we'll baptize you right on the spot. Because the Bible says repent and believe and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Read your Bible. Start in the book of Philippians. Read your Bible. It's four chapters long, the book of Philippians. It tells you and I clearly how to live the Christian life, how to walk in this relationship with the Lord Jesus. Read a chapter a day. I challenge you. One chapter a day. When you get done with the four chapters on the fifth day, turn around and start reading it again. And when you get to the ninth day, turn around and read it again. And read it three times. And look, look, look 
at what God is asking and calling you to in a relationship and how to walk and live in that relationship with him. It's important to do life together. No person is an island unto themselves. Stop back at the table in the back and talk to Pastor Jeff about getting into a life group, a smaller, mid-sized group here that we're doing life with other believers together. Talk to him. He'd love to visit with you about getting into that. I think we have three of them that are up and running right now. Four of them. There you go. I just got corrected. Are you 20-something, 30-something? There's something happening. i got to tell you, there's something happening on Thursday nights in our young adult ministry. It's electric. It's awesome. And you've got to get there if you're in the 2030 age group. When uh, Thursday nights meets up in our other property, the North 40, we call it. Talk to one of us pastors. Talk to Jordan Waugh. Jordan, you here this morning? No, he's on vacation. I forgot. He's gone. You've got to get into that. Youth group. If you're in high school age, junior high, high school, you've got to talk to Pastor Patrick. Pastor Patrick, where are you? I know you're here. There he is. Talk to him. Get into the high school uh, youth group ministry. Here it comes for me. Can I ask you a question? Are you struggling with something? Something that you just like somebody to talk to? Somebody maybe to walk alongside of you for an hour or maybe five hours at various times? Come and talk to me. Get a hold of me. I have one-on-one care ministers trained here at the Open Door Christian Church to encourage you, to pray with you, to speak truth into your life. And I will pair someone up with you. They're great folks, and they're ready to go to uh, uh, come alongside of you. Listen, we have a mantra here. It's my mantra, but it stands for all of us. No one, no one struggles alone at the Open Door Christian Church. I believe that with all my heart. And as the pastor of care ministry, that's what I stand on. And we have a team and a group of people who are working for that. But you have to tell us. You need to engage with us. And we'll help you to the best of our God-given abilities. And if we can't do it, we'll connect you with someone who can. And lastly, maybe you're here and you're struggling with some kind of an addiction. Talk to Ryan. Ryan was the big guy who opened up the service this morning. You need to get started with him in the recovery church. Talk to him. He'd love to visit with you about that. Something or someone will have first place in your heart. Your identity will be tied to whatever you give your heart to. And I want to say, give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for this message today. Thank you for a book like Colossians that tells us the things we're up against in this life. And God, we don't want to live in hostility. We don't want to live in alienation. God, we don't want to live being reproached and accused. God, we want to live in freedom. I pray for each, every man, woman, and child here this morning. That, God, indeed, we would step by faith into freedom because you've invited us to come unto you, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Your arms, Heavenly Father, are wide open waiting for us. Help us to come by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.